My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 84, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Joshua 13 to 21 and Psalm 126. Here we go. It's the second long one. Promise this is the end of the long ones for this week. Joshua 13. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains, all the regions of the Philistines and Geshurites, from the Sihar River on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north. All of it counted as Canaanite, though held by the five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Goth, and Ekron, the territory of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites from Ara of the Sidonians as far as Aphek and the border of Amorites, the area of Byblos, and all Lebanon to the east from Baal, Gad, below Mount Hermon to Libo Hamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Laban to Mizraphoth, Maim, that is, all the Sidians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for its inheritance, as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and Gatites, have received their inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan, as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. It extended from Aror on the rim of Arnon Gorge and from the town in the middle of the gorge and included the whole plateau of Medaba as far as Dibbon and all the towns of Sion, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon out of the border of the Ammonites. It also included Gilead, the territory of the people of Geshur and Makkah, all of Mount Hermon and all Bashan as far as Selakah. That is the whole kingdom of Og in Bashan who had reigned in Ashtaroth and Adria. He was the last of the Rephites. Moses had defeated them and taken over their land, but the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Mecca, so they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance, since the food offering presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance, as he promised them. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Reuben, according to its clan. The territory from Aror on the rim of Arnon Gorge, and from the town in the middle of the gorge, and the whole plateau past Medaba, to Heshbon, and all its towns on the plateau, including Dibbon, Bemuth Bael, Beth Bael Maon, Jehaz, Kedemoth, Mephath, Kiriathiam, Sibma, Zareth, Shahar, on the hill in the valley, Bayar Peor, the slope, and Pishgah, the Beth, Jeshemoth, all the towns on the plateau, and the entire realm of Sion, king of the Amorites, who ruled at Heshbon. Moses had defeated him and the Midianite chiefs. Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, princes allied with Sion, who lived in that country. In addition to those slain in the battles, the Israelites had put to the sword Balaam, son of Beor, who practiced divination. The boundary of the Reubenites 
was the bank of the Jordan. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Reubenites, according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Gad, according to its clans. The territory of Jazir, all the towns of Gilead, and half the Ammonite country, as far as Aror near Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramath, Mizpah, and Betanim, and from Mahanaim to the territory of Debir, and in the valley, Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukkoth, and Zephon, with the rest of the realm of Sion, king of Heshbon, the east side of the Jordan, the territory up to the end of the Sea of Galilee. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Gadites according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the half-tribe of Manasseh, that is, to half the family of the descendants of Manasseh according to their clans. The territory extended from Mahanaim and included all of Bashan and the entire realm of Og, king of Bashan, all the settlements of Jair and Bashan, 60 towns, half of Gilead and Ashtaroth and Idria, the royal cities of Og and Bashan. This was for the descendants of Machir, son of Manasseh, for half of the sons of Machir, according to their clans. This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab, across the Jordan east of Jericho. But the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance, as he promised them. Now, these are the areas of the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar, the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes, as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in, with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of, of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear." I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he had kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Moses moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard them that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he had. Then Joshua helped Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron had belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land has rest from war. The allotment for the tribe of Judah, according to its clans, extended down to the territory of Edom, to the desert of Zin in the extreme south. 
There, southern boundaries started from the bay at the southern end of the Dead Sea, crossed south of Scorpion Pass, continued on to Zin, and went over the south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it ran past Hezron up to the Adar and curved around Karka. It then passed along Hezmon and joined the Wadi of Egypt, ending at the Mediterranean Sea. This is their southern boundary. The eastern boundary is the Dead Sea, as far as the mouth of the Jordan. The northern boundary started from the Bay of the Sea at the mouth of the Jordan, went up to Beth Hagla, and continued north of Beth Araba, to the Stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. The boundary then went up to Debrer, from the Valley of Ekor and turned north to Gilgal, which faces the path of Udamim, south of the gorge. It continued along to the waters of En Shemush and came out on En Rogel. Then it ran up the Valley of Ben-Hinnom along the southern slope of the Jebusite city, that is Jerusalem. From there, it climbed to the top of the hill west of the Hinnom Valley, at the northern end of the Valley of Rephim. From the hilltop to the boundary, headed toward the spring of the waters of Nephtah came out of the towns of Mount Hephram, went down toward Bala, that is Kirath, Jerium. Then it curved westward from Bala to Mount Seir, ran along the northern slope to Mount Jerium, that is Kelsalon, continued down to Beth Shemesh, and crossed to Timnah. It went to the north slope of Ekron, turned toward Shikaron, passed along Mount Bala, and reached Jebneel. The boundary ended at the sea. The western boundary is the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. These are the boundaries around the people of Judah by their clans. In accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Shashiah, Ahiman, and Talmeah, the son of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kiriath Sefer, and Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter to Aksa to him in marriage. One day, when she came to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What can I do for you? She replied, Do me a special favor. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me also spring of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of Judah, according to its clan. The southernmost town of the tribe of Judah in the Negev towards the boundary of Edom were... Kebzeel, Adir, Jagur, Kena, Dimna, Adaha, Kadesh, Hazor, Ithnan, Zif, Telem, Belioth, Hazor, Hadetha, Kiriath, Hazron, that is Hazor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar, Gada, Heshman, Beth, Pele, Hazar, Shaul, Beersheba, Bizathia, Bela, Iam, Ezem, Eltulad, Kesil, Herma, Ziklad, Medmana, Sanah, Laba, Shalihim, Ahin, and Rimon, a total of 29 towns and their villages, and the western foothills, Ashtol, Zora, Ashnan, Zanoa, Enganim, Tapua, Anam, Jaramuth, Adilam, Sakoa, Azaka, Shariam, Adithium, and Gedera or Gederathiam, 14 towns and their villages, Zanan, Hadasha, Migdalgad, Dilian, Mitpah, Jakthiel, Lakish, Bazkath, Aglan, Kaban, 
Lahamas, Kithlish, Jedroth, Beth Dagan, Nama, Makeda, 16 towns in their villages. Libna, Ethner, Ashnan, Ifta, Eshna, Nezib, Kelia, Akzib, and Marasha, nine towns in their villages. Ekron, with its surrounding settlements and villages, west of Ekron, all that were in the vicinity of Ashdod, together with their villages, Ashdod, its surrounding settlement and villages, and Gaza, its settlement and villages, as far as the Wadi of Egypt and the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. In the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Zoka, Danaya, Kiriath, Sana, that is Debir, Anab, Ashtomoa, Anim, Goshen, Halan, and Giloa, eleven towns in their villages. Arab, Duma, Esha, Janim, Beth, Tapua, Afaka, Humta, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, and Zeor, nine towns in their villages. Moam, Carmel, Zif, Juta, Jakriel, Jaktiam, Zanoa, Cain, Gibda, and Timna, ten towns and their villages. Halhul, Bethzur, Geador, Marath, Beth Anath, and Elkitkan, six towns and their villages. Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jeriam, and Rabbah, two towns and their villages. In the wilderness, Beth Araba, Midian, Saka, Nibsha, the city of Salt, and Engedia, six towns and their villages. Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of Judah. The allotment for Joseph began at the Jordan east of the spring of Jericho and went up from there throughout the desert into the hill country of Bethel. It went on from Bethel, that is Luz, crossed over to the territory of Akronith in Atorah, descendants westward to the territory of the Jephalites, as far as the region of Lower Beth Harat, and on to Gezer, ending at the Mediterranean Sea. So Manasseh and Ephraim, the descendants of Joseph, received their inheritance. This was the territory of Ephraim, according to its clans. The boundary of their inheritance went from Atorah, Adar, in the east of Upper Beth Haran, and continued to the Mediterranean Sea. From Mechmetha on the north, it curved eastward to Tanatha Shelah, passing by its Genoa on the east. Then it went down from Genoa to Ataroth and Zara, touched Jericho, and came at the Jordan. From Tapua, the border went west from the Canal Ravine and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the Ephraimites, according to its clan. It also included all the towns and their villages that were set aside for the Ephraimites within the inheritance of the Manassites. They did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Jazir. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. This was the allotment for the tribe of Manasseh as Joseph's firstborn, that is, for Makir, Manasseh's firstborn. Makir was the ancestor of the Gildadites, who had received Gilead and Bashan, because of the Macarites were great soldiers. So this allotment was for the rest of the people of Manasseh, the clans of Abizir, Halek, Asriel, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemida. These are the other male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, by their clans. Now Zelophehad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Mekir, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters, whose names were Mahalan, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They went to Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the leaders and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our relatives. So Joshua gave them an inheritance along with the brothers of their father according to the Lord's command. 
Manasseh share consisted of ten tracts of land beside Gilead and Bashan east of the Jordan, because the daughters of the tribe of Manasseh received an inheritance among the sons. The land of Gilead belonged to the rest of the descendants of Manasseh. The territory of Manasseh extended from Asher to Michmethah, east of Shechem. The boundary ran southward from there to include the people living in at uh, and Tapah. Manasseh had the land of Tupah, but Tapah itself on the boundary of Manasseh belonged to the Ephraimites. Then the boundary continued south to the Cana Ravine. There were towns belonging to Ephraim lying among the towns of Manasseh, but the boundary of Manasseh was the northern side of the ravine and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. On the south, the land belonged to Ephraim. On the north, to Manasseh. The territory of Manasseh reached the Mediterranean Sea and bordered Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh also had Beth, Shan, Ebliam, and the people of Dor, Endor, Tanak, and Megiddo together with their surrounding settlements. The third in the list is Nephoth. Yet, the Manasites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land further yourselves, there in the land of the Perizzites and Rephites. The people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Beth, Shan, and its settlements, and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the tribes of jo Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forest hill country as well. Clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours, though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Psalm 126 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow their tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. We read a lot about war yesterday, and here we are beginning to read about inheritance. And this was like the point of it all, and how Joshua divided up the land, as Moses had done and, and Eleazar was a part of. As Dr. Tim Mackey describes, this was a unique moment in history. This battle was limited to the Canaanites, and the battle was God's. The Israelites were commanded to have peace with other nations, reference Deuteronomy 20. And while this story may be hard to follow and perhaps somewhat boring to us, it was really important to Israel, and it points to God's fulfillment of the promise he made to Abraham back in Genesis. So it might read a little bit like we're reading a map that we should be maybe seeing, um, and I'm sure there's maps out there. But this is super important to the Israelites, and also it points back to what we discussed yesterday where... We noticed a lot of Canaanites are still around, and there was some talk of some of them being forced labor and things like that. And I think when I pull it back into the theological story, the, the verse from Genesis 4 still comes back to me about 
the adversary, you know, crouching at the door and it's coming for us and we have to master it. It's this idea that, you know, chaos creatures and agents and those that that want to take us astray, we have to make sure that we have this focus on the Lord and his obedience. We're listening and trusting and we're keeping, we're doing preventative measures, keeping these things at bay from us. Um, because it's like the whisper of, you know, with all the Canaanites actually still being alive, even though we read a lot about total destruction, it's it's like this whisper of the future. We know that chaos is is still coming because even the Israelites all by themselves struggle with rebellion. And we know that the Canaanites in the story really represent a serious rebellion. I also want to point back to Joshua 4 and 5, where God called Israel to place standing stones after his signs of wonder and miracles as they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. So Marty Solomon describes how standing stones in that culture were stones of witness, not a stella, which was like a plaster or rock with writing of conquest on it. Instead, a standing stone demands that a question be asked because it's a standing stone. It begs the person observing it to ask, what happened here? And have you know have, have you ever seen, for example, the Stonehenge in England? It makes you ask the question, how, why is this here? And what does it mean? The question that inspires me is to think about standing stones in our lives. What signs can we put into our lives, our world that perhaps do a better job of passing on the story to our children, fostering and encouraging their curiosity, inspiring questions instead of just telling them? What can we create that makes them want to ask questions in a genuine way? I love this concept of masaba, the Hebrew term for standing stones, which stand to bear testimony by drawing attention and eliciting a person's curiosity. Questions about how we can put our trust in God's promise, how he's gonna be our inheritance, and how we can be encouraging and ask others questions about the story we're all in. I feel like standing stones are like invitations and trailers to the most exciting, most true, and most real story that is still unfolding today. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.